You are listening to the Vita Foods Insights podcast. Join us as we explore the key issues and emerging trends affecting the global health and nutrition industry, helping businesses make informed decisions and drive change. Hello and welcome to the Vita Foods Insights podcast. I'm Marion Schumacher and I'm joined today by Dilip Ghosh, the director of NutriConnect. We are talking today on the topic of personalized nutrition and the opportunities and the challenges ahead of this exciting market. So, um, Dilip, how do you define personalized nutrition? First of all, thank you, Marion, for giving me this opportunity. I think the if you see the personalized nutrition, it is a buzzword. Every nutrition conference, everywhere you can you can see this. There is a dedicated session, but practically there is no agreed definition of personalized nutrition. For the purpose of this interview, we defined it as a approach that uses information on individual characteristics to develop targeted nutritional advice, product and services. It has some synonyms like precision nutrition, nutrigenomics, nutrigenetics, and nutritional genomics also. Okay. Fantastic. Well, that's a very good overview. And why, why is it exactly that we need personalized nutrition? This concept is not new. If you go back uh, mm -hmm. 5,000 years back, like Indian Ayurvedic medicine or traditional Chinese medicine also. So the core concept was the personalization. So if you see the current market also, I think uh, two things are dominating. One is uh, customization, another is personalization. So personalization, not only in the nutrition, it has different area also. So we all know diet and food is arguably the one of the most important determinants of the health. But it is still not clear exactly what we should eat to optimize our health and performance. But if you see the, the global current dietary recommendation, these are all based on one size fits all that is the population health model, which was developed decades ago. So that's why we need a new model that can perfectly suit with the changing dynamics also. And that's why we need uh, this urgently. And also we have to be a evidence based. Hmm. Of course, and especially in regions like Asia, where you have such diverse genetic backgrounds. Um, exactly. So I can imagine that yeah, I can imagine that there's a lot of traction when it comes to this concept, even though it's, as you said, it's not a new one. We've had it for a long time in traditional Chinese medicine, um, in India certainly um, as well. Um, but can you see significant market changes in that area? I think if you see last uh, five years uh, market dynamics, I think. Uh, Medicalization of the dietary supplement, that is, we call the medical food or nutraceutical, that sort of things, as an add-on therapy. And uh, 
that trend that discourage of the self medication also this is a huge huge trend currently and also there is a new market channel is coming that is called rx uh, market that is a pharma marketing that is dominated by the healthcare endorsement and with the nutraceutical so that means we are going more medicalization of the our dietary supplement and we are moving to the uh, pharma marketing channel with the healthcare professional endorsement and this uh, change of dynamics in the market and that requires lot of evidence lot of support because everything uh, based on the personalization it may be not individualization but it's a personalization so that's a huge dynamic changes uh, going in the um, dietary supplement market and um, obviously you also mentioned there's a lot of additional uh, testing required and different markets are merging here the, the pharma market and um, the food market to create something in the space of uh, nutraceuticals but how how about the uh, consumer perception is there also a change in that perception is food um, perceived as being more medical um, or do people look for a more holistic approach when it comes to their health what do you see um, what do you see changing in the area of consumer perspective or perception I think, yeah, uh, consumer perception I think these this concept in the market may be more than twelve or thirteen years that uh, mm -hmm. nutrigenomics based product development uh, but the if you see the level of uh, individual uh, perception, consumer perception, it is uh, definitely growing. But it depends on the uh, individual characteristics, like such as education, level of education, the situational or attitudinal or behavioral factors. These are the major determinants of how the consumer see this uh, that personalized nutrition area. But as a general consumer don't accept all technology based innovation and they reject this one if you see the uh, gm the genetically modified food it's still not accepted well accepted by the consumer because it is uh, they thought it is some technology uh, based innovation that means some modification in the gene also and another example is the food irradiation so consumer don't accept this one so that's why uh, it is more acceptable to the consumer the term the personalized nutrition than the uh, genomic uh, or nutrigenomic type of things also mm, that's very and interesting consumer trust is uh, in growing if that advice coming through the family physician or the key opinion leader so they are looking for not all they don't trust the uh, industry uh, uh, declaration they mm -hmm. trust the uh, doctors or key opinion leader uh, opinion also ah, so healthcare professionals do really still have this central role when it comes to advise and expertise exactly. Um, exactly. personal health okay Good. Exactly. That's that's good to see because sometimes, obviously, we see there's different countries with different regulation uh, when it comes to labeling and what you can claim on your product. And so it's good that people still have that reference point that can guide them into the right direction when it comes to 
the right um, the right nutrition for them. Um, yes. In relation to that, do you also see that there is an increase or a boom in direct-to-consumer testing to um, support um, for those claims and also to get the buy-in from these physicians and from these doctors? Uh, it's a very uh, complicated area and it, it's, it's a heavily invested area by the uh, big multinational uh, group also. But uh, as a general, uh, you know, if you see the, it started with Siona in uh, UK, then the company moved to USA, and the uh, entire that trend that is carried over by the another company, 23andMe, and we can clearly see there is a huge paradigm shift from Siona to the 23andMe. Initially, it was patient-centric. Now, it is consumer-centric. Initially, the Siona, it was the, the data protection. Now, it's a more access to the uh, data also. So, I can see uh, the, all the development uh, in last two, three years. Uh, it is not delivering through the trained professional supervision. It is through the website and everything they uploaded uh, through the website also. And these are um, no trained professional involved. And most of the uh, that uh, testing, they are focusing on the few genes. And subsequently, they are offering a inappropriate or incorrect advice also. So every day, the new player is coming in this market, but the uh, market today have been not rigorously evaluated for their efficacy on a robust clinical trial, like the uh, randomized control trial. They just use few genes and they are giving the advice also. On your, in your opinion, as an expert in, in that field, do we need better regulation when it comes to that? Because obviously people are seeking advice in these areas. And if they get incomplete information and then make decisions based on that, that could potentially be quite harmful even. So yes. is there a need for tighter regulation uh, to help the population make better decisions? Yes, definitely we need a better regulation. And still, this area is uh, is regarded as a lifestyle uh, medicine area. So that mm -hmm. means uh, from FDA to uh, TGA in Australia also, there is no uh, supervision or no uh, strict regulation also. Uh, if you see the, to, uh, the middle of the last year, 2018 also, the, uh, the US FDA, they granted 23andMe uh, the authorization for direct-to-consumer genetic test on cancer risk also. So mm -hmm. it was very, very debatable, but still it uh, provided to the 23andMe, and that trend is going also uh, without rigorous or very robust uh, uh, data. So the the regulatory authority, they are granting some big companies also. I think definitely we need uh, more public consultation. Uh, public means the expert consultation also. 
and before doing all this uh, approval. Okay, I think that brings us quite nicely to the opportunities and the challenges that lie ahead of this market. Um, yes. Where do you see, what, what would you say are, let's say, the top two opportunities and then the top two challenges for the personalized nutrition space in the next five years? I see the, uh, some health area, some disease area. Uh, practically, there is no effective or curative treatment available currently. I think uh, in those areas, the personalized uh, nutrition uh, can play a bigger role. And that can be, you know, this personalized medicine in the market for a long time and successfully also. So the personalized nutrition can be piggyback on the technology advances made by the personalized nutrition. So we have to use all these uh, new technologies to export this uh, market also. And the uh, other area, I think we already identified few areas where personalized food, personalized nutrition can work excellently, like the type 2 diabetes, obesity, mood, inflammatory bowel disease, or some aging-related disorder, where uh, huge potential to develop the personalized nutrition. So these are the uh, two areas where uh, uh, opportunities are uh, huge and the challenges is the communication part the marketing and communication part because it is a very very highly complicated and multidisciplinary science so like the uh, food company or nutraceutical company they cannot communicate properly to the consumer this highly complicated science so this is one area that is a huge challenge and the Another big challenge is the, as you mentioned at the beginning, that is the ethically diverse uh, population, like the Asian population. So it is a big challenge uh, to do some uh, successful clinical trial on this uh, ethically diverse uh, control population also. Right, perfect. Well, I think this rounds it up really nicely. Thank you so much for giving us a good overview of what this market looks like. Um, and a comprehensive outline of what we can expect in the next few years. Um, obviously, we're focused on the Asian population a little bit here, but obviously you'll also be speaking at Vita Foods in Geneva. And I would like to invite everyone to join us at the Live Stages Theatre um, in Geneva in May to hear you speak personally and then also um, to connect with you. Uh, I believe you'll be there the full three days so anybody who wants to speak with you um, personally also has the chance to do that and i'm very happy that you're joining us at the event again in may thank you marianne again and it's my pleasure also thank you so much <laughs>